You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Caroline Furman. Caroline is a wonderful dancer. I'm so glad she was able to join me for the podcast. We were at Juilliard together where we did work with ArtReach, a student outreach group. She is a fantastic dancer and a dynamic teacher who does amazing work with children and nonprofits. I admire her very much and love having this space and time to talk with her about her life as an artist. I hope you enjoy the 36th episode of The Compass. So what is the dark side for you? And how do you try not to go there as an artist? That's, that's the big first question. Dark side, yeah. The dark side <laughs> for me has been really informed by trying to view it from a like a one hundred and eighty degree perspective of difference. So trying to see the dark side in a positive mm. light, um, because I don't do so well compartmentalizing my experiences as an artist. So I like to be able to use everything I'm going through. Um, so for me. The best metaphor I can use is I see, I've been using the dark side as a metaphor for like digging deep, like going very dark into like soil, Mm. or um, I've been thinking about the metaphor of like compost and how it is decay and it is a mess and it maybe smells bad and (laughs) doesn't look pretty, but it is the fruit of that process and it creates growth and that has been my experience every time with a dark side every time I put off the dark side and say like no I don't want to go there like let me stay bubbly let me stay light let me stay productive positive positive Mm -hmm. yeah all these um industrious words I find that the dark side trip gets deeper and deeper when it eventually happens and it will Hmm. so this I just went through a big transition, um, and during that time, I said, you know what, to hell with it, like, I'm going in, I'm going to go in, I'm going to really let myself go dark, and so, so I let myself go there now, <laughs> um, and by that I mean, I let myself be ugly, I let myself be tired, I let myself be burnt out, I let myself be unproductive, um, now really dark, where I start to feel dark feelings about myself or about my worth worth worthwhileness mm-hmm. worthiness that is a that's a different type of dark side for me one that's not useful so I try to make a delineation between the two and and I find if I indulge the darkness of of the slow place of the messy place of the lazy sometimes or jaded oh that's been a dark place yeah really. Then those other that other darkness of like you're not worthwhile, that usually doesn't come out. That's a hard thing about us using our bodies and using ourselves for our art, though, is that sometimes it is easy to be like, oh, I'm not working, or someone doesn't want my work, and so therefore they don't want me or my the worthwhileness, like you said, like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, if you can keep that separate, that's that's yeah. huge. 
I mean, it's not always successful, but I find that as I get older, um, it's it's a muscle. It's a muscle that I've flexed and practiced, and to the point of doing really cheesy stuff, like writing a post-it on the mirror every uh-huh. day. Like, you are beautiful. Look in the mirror and say you are beautiful. <laughs> this is so dumb, and it, but it works. Or yeah. um, I try to stay playful as a way of of staying out of some really darkness so you know sometimes it's helpful to journal and to discuss and debate but often I just walk away having an existential crisis so um, I try to go back to to play and I'll do a little internet game with some friends like I'll email them um, a short dance phrase that I've been working on and but I'll write it. I'll, I won't show it to them. I'll write it in words, kind of like an exquisite corpse. Uh-huh. And then they have to interpret the writing in their own dance. Like, oh, I love that. It back. You know, something silly and fun. Or I make a lot of dance videos, quote unquote, where um, I think things that I think are hilarious, like a funny scenario, and just have someone dancing around and you know, <laughs> post that every now and then. Just something to keep it playful. Yeah. yeah. Um. Can you tell me a little bit about the transition that you mentioned? Yeah. So as a dancer, your limit for a certain type of work comes with age and with age on the body. And so maybe it's not necessarily you know your age per se, but the age on your body. And right. um, the work that I was doing um, my whole life was very rigorous. So classical ballet and mm-hmm. hardcore modern and then um, getting into some contemporary work, some Israeli style um, movement and then the work that we were making with the company I was with Galeen Dance was very aggressive, very athletic like mm. big jump land in a squat, big jump, land in a squat run, hit someone, like hit a wall like run into a brick wall and fall down. I'm like, let's explore that for a week. You know? like, <laughs> oh my god! I remember this one thing I had to do was um, other people would jump straight up in the air and grab the bottoms of their feet, and I would have to try to roll under their feet before they landed again. Oh my, how many times did you get stomped <laughs> on? Zero times. Yes. Because Good job. I <laughs> yeah. But you know, I left that rehearsal like with you know a, a year shaved off of my oh life. Oh my gosh. You know? so, um, and then on top of that, the touring, um, mm-hmm. which I'm really glad I did. That was a dream of mine as a kid, to travel the world and dance, and I did. That's amazing. Um, but it takes a toll. And so around the time I turned 28, I started to feel my knees sounded like cellophane, um, and I was super tired and just feeling thin, literally and metaphorically. And it got to the point where I actually had a heart murmur. Oh my goodness. I was so, so tired. My body was just like, you need to stop. And I knew deep down, like that I could have pushed on, but I also knew I was just tired and also tired of the lifestyle. That's, you know, it's a lifestyle for a young person to run around, to get paid very little, no PT, no massage, you know, you do it yourself. It's a labor of love, but it's not sustainable. And that's a huge problem, actually, in the dance world right now. So... Do you feel like 
I'm, I want to keep talking yeah. about this transition, but do you feel like you were aware of this? I, I'm just curious for dancers, like, is that something that was talked about at school or from older dancers? Like, was that something that you felt mentally prepared for having to deal with someday, or was it? did it come as a surprise? A little of both. I think we were prepared as much as we could at school. We had information about this place called Career Transitions for Dancers, which was really useful and, you know, counseling and stuff like that, but um, I think it was a shock to me in terms of how quickly it came. Mm -hmm. It came a little sooner than I thought for myself, because um, I'm, I'm known for stamina and consistency, so I was amazed that it happened that quickly. Right. Um, and I wasn't prepared for the... Um, the lifestyle problem you know I I don't think my teachers knew they they didn't grow up in this time that we grew up in as artists right now where everyone is hustling yeah like they were like you're gonna join the company good work and now now it's much more everyone's freelance even, even if you're with a company it's sometimes right yeah I mean even if you're with a very established company you know you're I was just talking to actually someone um, who was my Uber driver, uh -huh. and he started chatting, and I'm like, oh, wow, he's really knowledgeable about the arts, and he was like, oh yeah, I sing for the Metropolitan Opera, um, like, core, mm -hmm. and when we're off, I drive Ubers. It's <laughs> like, yep, <laughs> yep, sounds relatable. Yeah. So, I don't think I was prepared for that, and I don't think my friends were either. I've got friends that were in very high-level, prestigious companies in Europe and the United States who are... 30 and done they moved back home to you know nebraska or wherever and they're just sitting at their parents house like zoned out because we're tired that was too much that was a lot of work yeah <laughs> a lot of work so you packed it into those years yeah so intensely and you're an athlete you know there was mm -hmm. when i was younger i was like dancers aren't athletes they're artists right but as i get older i'm like no that's athletic like we're definitely athletes, and you look at any athlete and they have a shelf life physically. Um, now, that being said, I think that there's a lot of things older dancers can offer, and I've seen it, but it's hard to find people that want to see that in the United States or that want to choreograph for that or that will pay money to see that. And I think it's similar in many art forms, but dance especially, you know. And I, a lot of it comes from if you're not willing to dance this many hours for this much money, um, we'll find someone that is when they're usually much younger and willing. So I made the choice around like 28, 29 to start transitioning out for physical and mental reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, that was not pretty. That was rough. Yeah. <laughs> really sad. Really sad. Uh, and still is sad, but I am more at peace with it. So you've been doing a lot of teaching, you said? Yeah, I've always been a teacher. Always had a second passion, which I think is really lucky. Yeah. I don't. I know that's not true for everyone. Uh, that being said, it doesn't fill the same space as dance. And I'm learning that. Um, but yeah, I've been teaching a lot. Too much, actually. It's really yeah. nice. With all my experience, I get a lot of great jobs. Um, so that's positive. But I haven't performed in over a year and a half. I haven't choreographed. I haven't seen a dance show because I work 
nights. Right. Teaching after school. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> empty, like empty. Of... You need something to fill, like refill your well. Yeah. Creative well. And so back to like this idea of like little games. Mm-hmm. You know, I maybe can't put on like a magnum opus, but I can just do small things to stay creative. Are you teaching all, um, like, dance classes, or are you using dance to teach other things? Yeah, good question. <laughs> I'm so favorite. curious. It's my favorite question. <laughs> um, I, I teach straight-up dance, and in those regards, I like to teach, you know, in those types of classes, I like to teach much higher-level mm-hmm. um, kids with teaching dance to teach other stuff. That comes through nonprofit organizations such as A Step, where we work with kids and and uh, or or you know young adults, teaching them leadership skills or uh, self confidence through the arts. Um, one of my favorite things that I do right now is work with a company called Dance Wave, which is a nonprofit for kids down in Brooklyn, and starting kind of I kind of made my own job there. I said I really would like to work for you. I think this is how many hours a week I would work. This is what I would do. I was really <laughs> the first time I ever did that. Like, I'll just be a consultant, your education consultant. And and are they, they are able to pay you as a teaching artist? Yeah. As a, I'm more a consultant there. It's really interesting. Okay. I really made my own role there. She said, you know, what would you want to do here? And I said, let me think about it. I'll think about it for a couple of weeks. And I wrote a, a proposal. That's awesome. It was very nice. And so for them, I'm kind of helping create uh, an assessment program. So the company uses the tools that I'm creating, and it's still a work in process, to work with the kids on things that are outside of the art form. So uh, how you participate in a group. Are you professional? Do you come on time? Are you respectful? Do you have any critical thinking skills? Mm-hmm. Do you... Um, how honest are you in your assessment of yourself all skills that are useful if you want to be a doctor if you want to be a dancer like it doesn't matter and so and then I'm developing a rubric and an assessment so that we can kind of track the kids progress and through that rubric we are securing different types of grants for leadership training and stuff so it's a really satisfying really exciting yeah really satisfying job um but it's Part, part, part-time. Yeah. It's part-time. Can we talk a little bit about how you piece together the financial yeah. stuff these days? Yeah. Finance is something that I think more artists should talk openly about. Yeah. With, like, real numbers. Um, I was always the one to negotiate our contract in the company and mm. look up legal help and research other companies and compile information. So... You know, if anyone asks, you know, what my salary is, how much I think people should be charging, I will give real numbers. I, I think that's a source of power for artists. Um, and actually, did you know it's illegal to have a contract that bars you from talking about your salary? Oh. I feel like it's just like an unspoken thing that you're not supposed to ask. It's but that's good to ask. know that it's not a legal thing. Yes. So, yeah. Um, it's not legally binding federally. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. That's awesome that you took that initiative on yourself. Yeah, 
to yeah. learn about it. And yeah. now that you're like freelancing and doing your own thing, I'm sure it comes in oh, handy. So yeah, so I've been able to kind of look at my expenses, see how much I would need to make. So I've come up for my, with myself um, a weekly rate, mm-hmm. a monthly rate, a day rate, an hourly rate for myself. And that's kind of what I've settled on, and that's what I give out to everyone, depending on you know what kind of project. I'll say this is what you could pay me hourly, this is what you could pay me daily, weekly, or we can talk about where do you Do you feel like you ever get pressure from them to be like, no, we're the ones who Absolutely. say, this is what we pay oh you God. hourly? Well, I've become like a businesswoman. That's Absolutely. amazing. I like actually, like, <laughs> the dancing for the company was like, I'm going into the freelance jungle. And I bought myself like a blazer and heels. I was like, I'm doing this. <laughs> you, know. you had the makeover montage. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, and now your outside matches your inside. <laughs> but I, I, I thought, you know, if you're going to change the way that this is going, and I feel very strongly, like I will get very heated about this. I feel very strongly that my career be treated like a legitimate career. And so mm-hmm. you have a lot of people, oh, how about this one, your favorite? You should be so lucky that you're doing what you love. Uh. Or like, for, what about for me? Let's do fi- like 50 bucks. And like, would you ever do that with your hairdresser? Like, this is a great hairstyle, but can I just pay you, you know, half of what I paid you last time? Like, and I'll buy, you, I'll buy you pizza. Yeah, and I'll buy you pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. And I think right. it delegitimizes this as a career choice, as a legitimate career choice. And I spend a lot of time in Europe traveling too, and a lot of dancers go to Europe, and that is, that's so legitimate. Like, you can work there as a dancer, it's respectful. And they, yeah, they have a structure they have for a it. structure, and so that's kind of influenced me. Um, the other thing is dancers don't have a union. Mm. So I've learned a lot from my actor friends, and that has influenced the way I talk to, to people who try to, barter me low and so I will do the traditional tactics I will come in high um, like maybe six times out of ten I'll get the high the high ball offer that was a, that's a good lesson um, I think artists undervalue their work yeah and so I'll go in um, armed with why I'm the right person for this job and I'll get the, the salary that I was asking and if I won't, um, the negotiated price is always acceptable. And there have been three or four times where I've not budged and said, like, I really can't do it for less, less than that. And I lost the job. <laughs> you know? And I think that's okay. This is part of building standards and that's that flexing that muscle. Yeah. And then you had those hours in your month to yeah. find something that would and pay your did. bills. And yeah. They, they, yeah. They always fill in. Even if it's with babysitting, you know? Yeah. Um, I think the other side to that coin is holding myself to this high esteem, which sometimes feels cocky and Mm -hmm. presumptuous. And I think, you know, as a humanitarian, I don't want to imagine that I'm better than anyone. But you kind of have to. It's just like an audition when you're negotiating money um, or hours. You know, sometimes it's not negotiating money. It's negotiating the time. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. if that's all you can pay, then this is as much as I can work. I'm not going to kill myself for that. Um, but the flip side of that is, is staying humble and saying, okay, I don't have any work right now. I'll definitely babysit. I'm babysitting on Thursday. 
Um, I just finished a really lucrative gig in a public school, and then this Thursday I'll babysit all day. Yeah. Or I've mascotted, like put on a mascot, and, like tap mm-hmm. dance on the sidewalk, you know, like, <laughs> making that money. I've done it all. Yeah. Yes. Well, you got to fill in the gaps. You yeah. fill in the gaps somehow. Yeah. And I think that's just hard work, and I'm not afraid of that. And do you apply those same standards if you're if a friend comes to you asking if you can collaborate on something or wanting do you kind of take that as like okay I do have I do have the extra energy that I want to make this piece with them mm-hmm. and kind of yeah they're not paying any they can't pay anybody they're in the same situation I am Definitely. or do you have to kind of not let that take up your time cuz I know what like when I came right out of school I was I was feeling a little high and mighty a little bit being like I can't take I can't do anything that doesn't pay you know but eventually when I let that go not not for people who had the ability to pay me and just weren't but to collaborate with my peers more I really it gave me a lot of the creative outlet that I needed when I wasn't getting the the paid work that is I volunteer still you know I, I volunteer um and I work with my friends and that's different and there are some friends that, you know, you have to set limits with. And that doesn't mean that we're not friends. That means, like, I can't work 24 hours on this project with you. I love you, but right. save it for Saturdays. Um, or, you know, the volunteering. I really believe in this. I don't mind. I know I'm losing sleep. I know I'm losing money doing this, but it's worth it. Um, so I, I think it's... It's a lot of work. I really liken it to setting up your own business. What are your standards? What is your mission? What uh, What is your demographic? What are you, you know, if I'm all about kids, then if someone presents me with this really great opportunity to help kids and they're a proven, you know, company or a proven friend or a proven coworker that will do that, I'll take a pay cut. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote, or I will put an extra overtime for you. And I think talking about it in those terms that already exist are really useful. Yeah, even just thinking about the word overtime. Right? Because <laughs> so many of us are working like two, jo- two full-time jobs, basically. Yeah. To thinking, have an artistic life. Yeah, I live in Inwood, which is way mm-hmm. at the top of Manhattan. And this dance wave thing that I really love is in Brooklyn. It takes over an hour and a half often to get there. And I'm, I'm often complaining, like, oh, my God, I don't want to go down there. And I go, and I'm, like, totally fulfilled. And so yeah. I just said, you know, I can't really look at this like a, like a job job. I have to look at this as part volunteer work um, or as something that I consciously have control over that I'm consciously saying yes to. And that takes off a lot of the stress. Um, there are other situations where I say, I'm consciously saying no to this. That is not worth it right and it's kind of just deciding your value um what you what you want to value and also how much you are how much your value is and i've just been really looking at everything in terms of cost uh you know that's going to cost four nights of sleepless you know staying up (laughs) on the computer is that worth it or you know it might not be a cost in money it might be that's going to cost this friendship a lot of stress can we handle it right now? Can we afford, literally, can we afford Hmm. that? And a lot of this comes from this restorative justice, restorative discipline work that I actually do with kids. So tell me about that. Yeah. The more I work with kids, the the more I work with myself better for all these kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been teaching this stuff about 
uh, social capital, right? So you and I sitting here having this conversation, we're building social capital, which means um, if you ask me for a favor uh, in a few weeks, I'll be more likely to say yes or vice versa because we have put money, social money, into a pot, for instance. Uh Um, And that's just the way humans work. If you keep drawing from this social capital by, let's say, you have a company and you're like, sorry, guys, we have to stay late again. Sorry, your paychecks aren't coming till next week. Sorry, that 50 bucks we promised you, we can't do it. You're depleting this bank. You're depleting people's goodwill, their social capital. You can put it back in in different ways. You don't have to just give people money. You can say, look, but I brought you coffees. You know? uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> or we're having a pizza night on Friday on me and it what cost you 40 bucks or right uh, I spent the time writing you a note a handwritten note and I sent it in the mail and I put a stamp on it you know social capital explosion so it's really it's not cost only in terms of money there's this social cost a social capital cost and when I view my resources as a bank like that it makes decisions really easy really easy it's like that's a great opportunity, but it would take too much from the bank. No. Hmm. <laughs> How do the kids receive that? That's so important. Kids That's so important. You don't actually, I don't actually teach it like that to, to younger kids, but the way it works with kids is you make circles. You, it has nothing to do with class. You go around and you say, what are you doing this summer? And everyone gets a chance to say, and, great, let's warm up. Let's start class. We just spent five minutes, but we built social capital so when I it happens really lovely like let's say um, you know by February where your eyes are falling out of your head and New York City is like eating you alive with cold weather I walk into my class and the kids say you look really tired are you okay and I say actually no I'm really not feeling good today and they make my day so easy because we've built this social capital uh, that we can draw from now, if I did that every day, I would deplete the bank and they would right. start to resent me. But as long as I keep putting in and they keep putting in, you know, it's a really interesting way of weighing things quickly. Well, and nowadays with all so much technology and everything, I feel like people can be very self-centered and not really aware or yeah. empathetic to other people. So that's so important for kids to be, even if they're not aware of it, learning. Yeah. And I think it's it's something I try to do with my employers and my employees and my coworkers is they'll take the time. It takes more energy yeah. now that it does. Well, we all have those people in our lives who I'm thinking of it now, like who only take. <laughs> yeah. And it's t- it's tiring. Yeah. There's been a few times where I've like connected with someone I hadn't seen, you know, someone was in town or whatever. And, um, you know, the, the whole hour-long coffee date or something goes by and they don't ask you what, like, you realize at the end that they didn't ask you one question about yourself. Not that you want to talk all about yourself, but it, was, like, was only about them. And you're like, oh, well, maybe next time they come in town. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to carve out a time to see them because I've, you don't feel yeah. like it was a mutual thing at all. Yeah. yeah. And that's that, like, kind of, that's the gift-giving of art. And I do think if you... There's a, ah, it's so ephemeral, isn't it? And I think people can take advantage of it, and that's where mm-hmm. artists get used, is that we want to give, yeah. we want to give gifts, 
of either our art or of our time or of our passion and it's hard to turn it into a commodity without losing the gift giving side of it um, and so I think you're right it's just constantly assessing you know will I let go some of my standards to do this job or will I hold on to them and I think every it's a case-by-case -case thing and you have to spend the time doing your work work to figure out your choice how are you feeling about New York City these days are you here for the long haul I think I'm here for the long haul where's your family at I'm from New Orleans New Orleans. that's right that's right and then after Hurricane Katrina they all moved and I'll say like my first year in New York was terrible it's such a different culture yeah different culture. New Orleans has it's such a unique like its own culture yes. so slow if you're not producing something for a while, no one cares. They're like, just have another beer. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> you know, and that's a wonderful culture, and I, I go and visit it. It's not the right culture for me to live in, I don't think. I really am enjoying New York. I, I think I found the right neighborhood for me. I go into the woods and hike a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I can get out of the city easily. Um, I try to get out of the city occasionally, but this is where, especially for dance, dance is so, there's not a lot of places that are happening. Yeah. And so this is where I, this is where I collaborate. New York is a collaboration zone and that's like my MO. So mm -hmm. <laughs> if I wanted to start my own company, maybe I would go somewhere else. I don't know though. We just, um, at the Artists as Citizen, conference yeah we just spoke to the um, ex-CEO of PBS who created a slideshow for us about where all the arts funding lives in the, in the United States and a huge amount of it is in New York City hmm and so you know that's another reason the competition is stiff but you've got more chances the of, resources of getting resources here so I think that's also something tell me a little bit about how the conference went for you guys listening Alejandro Rodriguez, who's been on the the show before, Dylan Moore, a lot of the folks who work with ASTEP are involved with this Artists as Citizen conference that was, it, was did Alejandro spearhead it originally? Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, and Caroline just participated in it. So how was it? It's always filling up filling up the the hole again, filling yeah. up the the emptiness. I always leave um, having mentored and worked with young artists feeling just as mentored as they were you know like oh I learned so much I just saw one of the fellows uh, on the subway mm. and she said you know I'm, I'm getting back into my art I'm signing up for classes I started re writing again and she look, looked all sparkly eyed and I returned the gaze with like equal sparkly eyes and was like, me too. I started working on a solo and you know, we were like, yay, art. <laughs> so it's just a big pep rally in many ways um, for those of us involved as on the leadership side and those involved as the fellows. Um, and the fellows are all, what is it, 18 to 25 kind yeah, of age? Yeah. And they come from all over the world and a very diverse group. It's nice to see them learn from each other, work together. It's a nice microcosm of healthy arts bargaining and negotiating and 
creating everything we just were talking about, you know, mm-hmm. is they get a, a nice small way to try that out. Um, and they're prodded and poked and, you know, teased apart and made to think by these different workshops and, and speakers. And I stayed in the dorms. That's right. <laughs> oh, you and Colin. Oh <laughs> giving flashbacks to yes. college. Yes, I was. Like, oh no, I can't go in here again. Um, but that see there you go. There's another example of like, okay, I work during the day and then I'm gonna come here around eight o'clock at night and spend the night and they wanna talk to you, they wanna unload, they wanna ask your opinion. They're looking for mentors or they're looking for information. So Well and it's a special week for them, so yeah. I'm sure they don't care if they stay up yes. to all, yes. all hours of the night. So you know, staying up really late, chatting with them. And I knew going in, I said, you know, this is going to cost mm-hmm. so much sleep and so much stress and but I'm gonna get XYZ out of it and that is so worth it to me. Yeah. It's so worth it. So I just kept kind of that mindset every time I had a two AM conversation. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And I got a lot out of it. I did. You learn a lot from these guys. Um, and you learn we're all, all the same, asking the same questions, struggling in the same way, and getting excited in the same ways. So it's very family feeling. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so wonderful for them to be exposed to that um, around like college age, too, because I know a lot of the emphasis is put on competition at that age either through like watching the voice or whatever (laughs) or like getting into schools getting the part in the school getting all this stuff um be exposed earlier to that kind of social justice work and work collaborating that is this exciting thing it's not just competition it's a collaboration it's It's really great it's very magical there's something magic that happens um by the end, you're just like, wow, that happened. <laughs> so everyone has been changed. The yeah. few times I got to come and sit in, it was just so inspiring. Yeah. What does your family make of, of your life as a dancer? You know, I'm very, they're very proud, and I say it all yeah. the time, and I realize I'm very lucky. Um, Is I, anyone else in your family no. artistically inclined? No. I'm the, I'm the Yankee. I moved up north. I'm like a liberal Yankee. <laughs> it's like I'm here making art. Um, they all, my family, all lives in the south. Um, we have very different lives and different perspectives on politics, on religion, on mm-hmm. culture. And when I was younger, that sometimes rubbed me the wrong way, or I would get fiery. As I get older, I realize why father <laughs> they're so supportive and they're my family yeah. and they will I have I have an aunt and uncle that send me a little money every month um, it's very sweet very kind I have my grandma always writing me handwritten notes mm-hmm. she's you know, thinking of me where am I traveling um, if I post something on Facebook it gets shared a thousand times <laughs> um, my dad uh, he's an immigrant he's a Dominican immigrant so mm-hmm. he's got the stereotypical like hard work ethic um, you will succeed you will do well yet I never got pushed ever by either of my parents to you know have a backup plan they've, they've never asked me like what is your backup plan they're just like go for it we try 
trust you. We believe that you'll make yeah. it happen. Yeah. And my dad would say, you know, I found these pictures of these dancers in this magazine, and I photocopied and blew them up for you so you can frame them. Thank you. <laughs> Weird That's little so thing sweet. Of, of support of, of trying to be connected. You know, that being said, have I felt really estranged or different from them? Yes, many times. It's hard to communicate what it, the reality of yes. it really is, too. Yes, like when I'm weeping, saying, like, I'm not dancing anymore, and my mom's going, okay. You know, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll do something else again. And you're like, that's not the point. It's, it's like it's deep. It's yeah. Deep. It's like a breakup. It's like a divorce. It's like a. It's like a death. It's mm. like a big loss, and it's hard to understand that unless you've devoted your whole life to something since you were, you know, nine. So there, and you know, have talking, talking about your art, having someone come see a show, being like. Well, those costumes are real nice. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, yes. Did they get a chance to see much of your work after they you did. left home? They did. And they'd often be like, cool. They're like, I really want to hear more from you. Like, I want to hear, let's go deep, let's talk about right. art. You know, and right. they just either don't want to or don't understand it in that way or... Um, didn't like it. I think a lot of times just didn't like what I was doing. <laughs> that's so hard. Yeah. That's so hard when, when your loved ones don't like your work. Right, when they can't connect. Yeah. So legitimately you're like, hmm, I like what you did before that other dance company or that other show or... I try to think of that. <laughs> this is not the same, but I try to think of that and have empathy when like my brother's telling me about this long extended car project oh, totally. like something same. that he's really interested in I'm just I just could care less That's the same. Exactly. but I try to remind myself that yeah. everybody yeah. has their thing That's exactly and they the might feel the same way about mine <laughs> totally. I think we get so um, all involved oh and our and our community is yeah. all in yeah. it and involved and so in a way you know it's yeah. very positive that it's kept me grounded you know, I remember when I was growing up, you know, teenage years, ballerina, everyone was, you know, not eating well. Everyone around me was calorie counting and, you know, other... Even in New Orleans. Oh, my gosh. Very, <laughs> you know, sketchy things in the bathroom. Like, not mm. good. And I remember I, I managed to go through that time uns relatively unscathed. You know, I had my fair share of weird thinking about, you know, my weight or my body. But a lot of it was my family, and they were just so not involved with, with that level of art or, you know, my dad would be like, well, that's dumb. I'm making, you know, six pounds of ribs, and you're, <laughs> you're going to eat it. <laughs> or I remember, I, I remember this clearly, I think it was my dad. He said, if anyone tells you to lose weight, you can have them come to me. <laughs> you know, and I, that used to pop into my head in a really positive way. So it's great having yeah. a family that aren't aren't involved in that way they kind of ground you what is it like to be dating someone who's not in the arts a whole new experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've dated only people in the arts only people who are very good at what they do in the arts mm -hmm. very successful and so on that we've always been on the same page and it's been easy to talk to them and we, sh we commiserate and we celebrate together 
and um, I'm now dating someone who uh, has his PhD in psychology. He does research psychology. Uh-huh. So he's a research scientist and he's a teacher. And at first, you know, I thought this is going to be so different. And it turns out it's almost exactly the same. <laughs> Basically, if you have someone that's really passionate about something, you have yeah. someone that's passionate about something. So in that way, it's the same and, and positive and, and we kind of understand each other. Well, and psychology, too, is closely related yes. to the yes. arts and to storytelling and all of that. Correct. We can, like, mine the depths of, you know, a thought or a concept for a long time. But in terms of, you know, having this be a, something that I struggle with uh, to make a, a living out of, that we're on different pages. And I think it's been an eye-opening and learning experience for him. And it's been validating for me to have someone outside of the circle say, I see you. I see how hard you're working. Um, and I, I validate that you're really tired right now or that I understand why you would be frustrated right now. And it kind of feels different coming from a non-artist. You feel yeah. like someone from the outside is being like, oh, I, I see that. I feel you. Yeah. Well, because for, for artists, it's always like, well, of course you're still, you yes. have to do more, you have to do more, you have to do more if you're going to make it work. Or like you're To an extreme. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> or I say, you know, this is my sixth job I've worked this week, and my artist friends are like, this is my tenth. You, know? and you're like, oh. you have no perspective yeah, on it. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. Um, or that person, you know, ripped me of my paycheck last week. I'm waiting on money from six months ago. <laughs> it's like, oh. Whereas he's like, wow, I don't understand that. I have a salary and benefits, and my job is respected, and um, I have a union. And he's like, wow, I don't teach me. Like, tell me about what that's like. And it's it's been therapeutic. <laughs> that's really great. <laughs> is there anything in like the last year or so that you've been really proud of that you want to tell me about? some lesson you learned or something that maybe isn't obvious but that you were really proud of what a great question and I'm ready to answer it (laughs) because I just did that artist and citizen conference so Mm -hmm. I was just speaking about this and it snuck up on me this realization that I am so it's so easy to say I am a dancer like if someone says you know what do you do I say I'm a dancer I don't say I'm a teacher choreographer like freelance, like, all these slashes, because, you know, I haven't performed in two years. I'm still a dancer, and I will say that until I think I probably croak. And that is a, that's something I'm really proud of. Many, many nights of crying and many dark periods of doubting Uh that I can say I feel like I own my identity as a dancer, even though I'm not in the height of my physical career. And the way I see myself as a dancer is I think I've been trained to be an artist. I put in a lot of time, I put in a lot of effort. I see the world in a specific way. I solve problems in a specific way. I digest the world in a specific way. Just me living in the world the way that I do makes me an artist, makes me a dancer. And I really own, like, I really believe that. (laughs) Well, that makes me so happy. Yeah. And I don't have to be on stage, and I don't have to be with 
the establishment and I don't have to be um, you know at the big theater and I can be in my room and I am I am a fucking artist <laughs> excuse me no that is fantastic yeah I'm very inspired by that good I'm so glad you told me about that is there any just to come back to the dark side like if you're having a day where you're really going to that place you're feeling uninspired are there any like concrete things that you turn to again and again like a book or a place or a thing you do yes I have a a chest I have a therapy chest (laughs) I actually have like a list of things that I do perfect um I, I always go for a hike like mm-hmm. get into the nature that's also been scientifically proven to make everyone feel better so yeah it's just like go do that sometimes a run like exercise um i really really love the book women who run with the wolves um i need to get this Clarissa book it was recommended to me by my good friend troy ogilvy and mm-hmm. laura careless two lovely dancer women i went mm-hmm. to school with and she approaches different myths from a female perspective from a positive feminist perspective and that's where I get kind of this idea of the dark side being compost instead yeah. of death or that death is a positive thing um, it's too much information to go into but it's basically talking about how everything in life is cyclical how cyclical nature is often feared because you have to go down into the darkness to come back up. And mm-hmm. so I call that my Bible. Like, that book is my Bible. It's all taped up. It's pages are falling out. The stories are in the wrong I gotta order. I get it. But I, all I have to do is read two pages, and I'm like, yes. Um, if those things don't work, always a call to a fellow artist friend. You know, always reach out. I, I feel like there have been times where I've been dangerously low. And... You know, you think, I don't want to bother anyone anymore with this darkness, this sadness. They've got to be sick of hearing about this. And maybe they are, but if they're your friend and they're in the community, they get it. And it's always worth reaching out. And so I'll just say, like, I really need to talk to somebody right now. And I've never had anyone turn that down. Uh, And then last but not least, I don't know if you've seen anything recently I usually ask if you have anything to recommend or friends friends shows or how about my second graders performing in the auditorium amazing (laughs) or a movie or anything but it's okay if you don't what have I been doing I really haven't seen a lot recently but the something that's really interesting to me is um this pursuit of pleasure in your body and it comes from this Israeli style of movement, officially called Gaga, is the style. You know, they did a workshop on that. I went back to Juilliard. They had like a drama alumni day where the teachers taught classes for alums. And somebody came in and did, with a few dance alums were there and the drama alums and did a Gaga workshop. Bobby, she had long yes, hair. Yeah, she was she, very magical. Yes, she is magical. <laughs> It was great. I loved it. And actors love it. Um, I've been working a lot with actors in that style of movement. Mm. But I recently was speaking to this boy at the Artist Citizen Conference who lived in Morocco and another guy who was from Egypt. And they were both like, that sounds really familiar. That sounds like 
the Sufi style of dance. And I immediately researched it and we got really excited. We were jiving off of each other and it turns out a lot of this now codified style, and I don't know if this is where the originator got his information, Oad Naharin, who's this Israeli guy, but it's strikingly similar to this mm. like Sufi trance dancing. And now I'm like super excited and I want to dig into it and I recommend to everyone to look into this. It's a really pleasurable way of moving and that you actually can kind of um, move through either physical blocks through, you know, shaking loose your bones and your muscles or emotional blocks by shaking through or sliding through, um, you know, the parts in your body where you're like, no, no, or the parts in your mind where you're like, no. I call it like the three-year-old. It's just like throwing a tantrum. You can kind of move past that with this pleasurable dance. Yeah. So that's something that I'm looking into and researching at the moment. Do you teach any like open classes anywhere that if people wanted to come take your class? I'm not teaching could? open classes yet, but that is something I really am trying to. Okay. Cultivate. Well, if you ever do, tell me and I'll. I'll let everyone who listens to the podcast know. Well, thank you so much. This was great. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.